Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, episode 157. I hope you all are enjoying the radio show, if you got a chance to listen to it <coughs> on the John Fredericks radio network. Um, the first week, the soft launch was last week. Today, uh, we, we continue on the journey um, this Saturday, this coming Saturday. Oh, I'm sorry. Update. The Royce White show on Real America's Voice will be premiering on February the 3rd. So we have a few minor things that we have to get in order behind the scenes. Um to, to produce that show properly, but but that's going to be premiering on fe- February the 3rd. So be ready for that if you have Real America's Voice, the app, or if you're you're on, on the radio stations or, or involved in their, in their ecosystem, then, then you'll see it naturally. If not, you should go download Real America's Voice, the app. Uh, I'm sure that will give you access to the War Room and, and a bunch of the other great content and, and people that they have a part of Real America's Voice, Real America's Voice Network. The John Frederick Radio Show will continue. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the music aspect because I, I'm a, uh, I'm an enthusiast. I'm a bit of a music enthusiast. You'll 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 come to know that as the podcast continues. As the podcast continues, there's plenty of musical projects that I've been involved with, production wise, and and uh, as a, as a financier, you could say uh, of sorts, and and creatively. Um, so you know, I play certain instruments, and, and I'm very. Um, I'm very familiar with uh, musical production. <coughs> Produ- produced plenty of records and and been involved in plenty of projects and albums. So as the as the podcast goes on, we're probably going to introduce some of the local musical talent here that I've worked with in the past, and and musical talent from all around the country, maybe all around the world. Certainly, we get a lot of um, a lot of feedback, a lot of messages from from people all around the world who have music to offer. I just want to say to the audience that we will be trying to implement some of that going forward. So uh, be, be aware of that. But um, I, I say that because having a radio show is, is pretty awesome. Um, one of the pitfalls I'd say of, of, of the internet right now is, is them not being able to sort out how to monetize the music industry. And I think a lot of, music artists feel somewhat cheated as we transition from the CD era to the, the more digital era, uh, the, the physical uh, vinyl, and then it was eight track, and then, then you had cassettes and then CDs, and, and now you've gone almost completely digital. Not that they still don't have CDs because they do, but, but we've, we've gone mostly digital when it comes to, to music distribution. And I think uh, the industry is having a the industry is having a tough time trying to uh, say accurately, but even more so fairly measure the way that that music is distributed and and thus how the artists are compensated for for the amount of downloads, let's say, versus back in the day it was radio spins. Um, so you know some of that stuff is still getting sorted out, and, and part of Part of what's tough about it is we have these new mediums like the internet where I can do a podcast and self-produce it, and and I would love to share music because music adds adds life to to almost anything, 
why uh, the best motion pictures have really good soundtracks. And, and the better the soundtrack, usually the better the movie because it invokes that emotion uh, with the storyline. And if you had a movie with no music, you probably couldn't even have a movie nowadays. That, that kind of tells you how, how much of a necessary component music is to, to storytelling. So, you know, I would love to be able to, to incorporate more music into the podcast and, and just into uh, the, the content we put out in general. But it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Not impossible, but difficult because some, some platforms don't allow you to use music. Some platforms let you use music if you use it or, or apply it through their platform. For example, if I put an Instagram story up, 90 second reel of something I say on the podcast, they'll allow me to select from their music to put on that reel. If I do it on YouTube, they'll allow me to select from that music to put on that reel. But for some reason, if I play the music or if I add the video into the full episode, then it's flagged as copywritten, which is just, you know, I'm not saying neither here nor there. It's just strange. There's much bigger problems with YouTube, mostly that has to do with uh, censorship of, of saying, you know, what is misinformation and what is, is true versus what is false or, or conspiracy theory. That's the main issues we have with, with big tech. Um, the music is just a small caveat, which I'm personally enjoying the radio show because I get to play the music that I love. Um, and, you know, that, that's, uh, that, that's, that's personally gratifying for me. So if you get an opportunity, please download the John Fredericks radio uh, app. Uh, if you're if you are in the areas where the radio show is playing uh, on the on the radio on on the actual radio and you listen on the radio, we appreciate your your listenership. Um, we will be we will be posting the radio shows to the Royce White USA YouTube channel in the coming week. We had to we did a few things so that it, we're just not posting audio with a picture. We made it fun. It's got you know, an audio visualizer, it's got uh, subtitles, it's got the date and time so you can easily keep track of what show it is because we do it daily. So it's easy to get to get mixed up, but we want to we want people to be able to to know where, where they are and in sequence. Um, can't play the music, can't play the music that we play on the show on the radio uh, uh, that we play on the show on the radio in the YouTube playback. So if you want to hear it and it's, and it's full, you know, total experience radio wise, you're probably going to have to listen on the app or you're going to have to go and, and actually listen on the radio. Um, but Hey, well, we have limits. Everybody has them. They got to deal with them. Uh, we'll, we'll deal with it accordingly. Maybe on rumble, they'll allow us to put the music into it and I'll, I'll look into that. So this thing is getting big and, and we're happy you're here again for another episode. We appreciate you on this, this Monday Monday morning, and we got good news from the front. We're going to get into the show. I want to be somewhat quick today, but but we're going to get into the news from the front. We we got good news and bad news from the front. Let's say good news is uh, Donald Trump has held strong in his his uh, his his lead as as the Republican candidate uh, for United States president in the twenty twenty four election. So that is you know. That that's something to be optimistic about. Do I think Donald Trump is the perfect candidate? No. Do I think Donald Trump has flaws? Yes, we all do. Do I think that Donald Trump is much better than Joe Biden? One hundred percent. I think that's become almost a uh, widespread consensus in, in some sort uh, of some sort. 
And even where people who vote Democrat or, or don't like Donald Trump disagree, they wouldn't even disagree that Donald Trump's a better off, uh, better option than Joe Biden. Increasingly, we, we see that to be the case. Now, they may vote Democrat anyway, just out of pure loyalty or, or in, in my opinion, uh, indoctrination. But uh, the, the evidence is pretty clear that, that Donald Trump would be a much better option than Joe Biden. And politics, in many, many cases, is, is, a, is, a, is a by comparison sort of uh, measure, right? Or measure by comparison in politics. And so it's troubling. Uh, it's 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 troublesome to try and measure or or judge people individually when we're talking about politics, uh, because everything is is drawn by comparison, right? Are you better than the person you're running against? The same goes for me with my Senate campaign here in the state of Minnesota against incumbent Amy Klobuchar. <clears throat> so more and more people are are starting to. Uh, to acknowledge that Donald Trump would be a better choice for a number of reasons. Um, and even more recent news, we had a number of, of other Republican candidates drop out of the field. Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the presidential race, giving his endorsement to Donald Trump and, and vowing to support Donald Trump on the campaign trail uh, after campaigning with all of uh, America first policies and views, to, to be honest. Um, so that was that was good news from the front. In in the last twenty four hours, Ron DeSantis has now dropped out of the race, and I think it's very important what Ron DeSantis did. Now I can't speak to whether it was one hundred percent genuine or not, because when we're talking politics, you can never know how genuine somebody's. Uh, words are, let alone their, their, their actions or the, the strategic moves they make. It would seem to me on face value that Ron DeSantis tried to somewhat outflank Donald Trump on the moral claim of many America first policies and worldviews. He was unable to draw the favor of Donald Trump's base away from Donald Trump. Not that people didn't agree with Ron DeSantis on certain issues, um, not that they didn't they didn't necessarily believe that he was authentic on certain issues. It was more so that that Donald Trump is viewed and, and, and kind of heralded as a, as an American political icon because of the amount of, of resources and energy that have been spent uh, to, to take him out, to to keep him from to keep him from uh, being an option. And and the American people, and this is a this is a sign of optimism for the American people, for our nation, that our nation understands our citizenship. You know, I'd say in a in a spiritual sense that we understand the the spiritual implications of our of our citizenship, where we're offended. You know, intuitively we we are offended when our elites, you know, our political uh, governor, uh, go governing uh, corporate elites, financial elites, try and take options away from us. That they, they, they want to try and rig the game and say, we're not even going to let you pick, right? There, there's something in the, the, the history, the, the DNA of, of American citizens that is offended by, by that notion. And so it, it's not so much that people disagree with Ron DeSantis or don't like him, personally I don't 
like him and where it matters, I would strongly disagree with him on some things. But but that's not really the, the issue. The issue is that Donald Trump has been targeted and it speaks volumes how he's been targeted by this establishment. And it sort of it sort of says it sort of, uh, you know, sort of clarifies the field for for a lot of us, you know, because in common sense, you have to believe if if he wasn't a danger to the status quo, which we all agree is corrupt, which we all agree needs to change. If he wasn't a threat to that status quo, they wouldn't spend any time trying to take him out. They would just take him out. I mean, you know, it, it, they're not even, you know, let, let's be, let's be transparent here. We are dealing with powers that have no problem dropping a, uh, a bomb, you know, 700 miles away, 1,000 miles away, 2,000 miles away. They got no problem killing people. They, not, they got no problem killing people that don't look like them, people that do look like them, people that believe in the same God, different God, no God. They have no problem killing people. They have no problem killing people very publicly. So, I mean, if they, if they, they could just try and take Donald Trump out literally. Um, he's that would only make things worse. Turning Donald Trump into a martyr would only make matters worse for him because you got people like me who would never, who would, would never relent, who would never, who would never stay quiet about, uh, about that type of, of, of corruption, wickedness, treason. Um, and they'd have to kill us too. And it go, it goes on and on and on. That's part of the reason why Jesus Christ became the the figure <laughs> that he did and and you could say there was a lot of genius in the 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 journey of Christ in the grand design of 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 of, of God um there was a lot of wisdom in the journey of Christ in that not only did not only the spiritual and metaphysical wisdom uh, and and the, the the grace and love that was shown to mankind which really dwarfs this this sort of uh subsequent political point I'm I'm going to make but but subsequently the fact that Jesus became a martyr um helped spread the the doctrine of Christianity and the fact that people continued to be persecuted for and in the name of Christ only only increased uh you know the 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 interest the intrigue of, of the Christian message, of, of the Christian ministry. And so I'm not comparing Donald Trump to Christ. That's, that's ridiculous. But God did make each and every one of us, and God does have a plan for us. And right now it would seem that in God's plan for Donald J. Trump is to, to fight the corruption of this establishment. And, and, and to that we say amen. And we don't need to compare Donald Trump to Jesus Christ, but what I will say is if they decide to kill Donald Trump, to stop him from from changing this status quo, it will only make matters worse. It will only make matters worse. Making Donald Trump a martyr will only make matters worse. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to publicly discredit him. They're trying to publicly assassinate his character. And even furthermore, they're trying to legally discredit him and assassinate his character. They're trying to legally make him persona non grata and take him off the board as an option for leadership. 
And we see it clear as day. And the problem with it is it, that the problem now that they're having is they actually think all of you are dumb. And in many ways, we rise to the occasion. We, the people, rise to the occasion and show there is a certain level of self-sacrifice we are unwilling to, to rise to, to, to uh, commit to in our own life that would really expose uh, the wicked and corrupt for who they truly are. Um, and then that's our own pitfall. But that yet and still, uh, collectively, I mean, there's so much corruption, there's so much wickedness, there's so much dishonesty that even the, the small amount that we are willing to, to trade our convenience back for freedom and sovereignty and citizenship and to have a government that tells us the truth, uh, even in that little bit, each and every one of us is willing to do, um, we're having profound, profound advancement. Uh, and it really is a sign of optimism. Usually I come and I'm berating the audience, but I have to say uh, this week I'm, I'm, I'm quite optimistic. And it's more so because I'm jacked into the zeitgeist and I can see the tide turning. I, I can see the wind starting to shift where people are at least willing to say, man, all right, this border thing is out of control. Okay, <laughs> I mean, just from from political, from 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 a polarized, politicized culture here in America, um, there have been times over the over the last two years, uh, three years during this this Biden administration, where where people will not admit that there's a problem at the border at all, in the interest of their own political party their own political views or their own political agenda. Uh, we're starting to see that change, and that's a good sign. Now, you know, we, we take it with a grain of salt. It's a thing like the border is so obvious, it shouldn't take us to pull teeth in order for you to admit that there's a problem at the border. I mean, my my God, that's, that's obvious. Um, but, you know, we live in times of, of fierce, fierce, staunch, passionate, uh, polarization and, and, and political uh, political opinions and political worldviews and, and political indoctrination people who think a certain way who who never even thought it was it was appropriate or, or possible or, or acceptable to, to venture into a different way of thinking a different way of looking at a thing and true is, is same with the Republicans as it is with the Democrats we call it a uniparty for example. And they may seem like they differ on certain issues, but where it counts, they are in lockstep. And, and to that I say, you know, we just saw Mike Johnson over the last couple of days, the last week, pass another continued resolution spending bill, which put up 160, uh, one point, I'm sorry, not 160, I apologize, $1.64 billion for a, a seven-week continuance uh, to the to the to the budget, $1.64 trillion. I think I think I said trillion. I hope maybe I said billion. Uh, $1.64 trillion, which would be uh, 21,000 miles in the air. Um, so much money, it's almost hard to even really comprehend. You never even, you've never seen that much money in, in person. And if you did, I mean, that, that amount of money would probably fill up this entire room. It may fill up this entire Studio. I'm not even really sure <clears throat> how much money would be if you stacked it side by side, you know, uh, up to uh, uh, about, you know, 
chest high on on a human being. Let's say I don't even know how much how, how much space that would fill up. Again, mathematically, so you understand uh, from a from a visual aspect the the the, the exponential nature of, of the numbers we're talking about. If you take a million dollars in hundred dollar bills, it'll be the height of a standard table chair. If you take a billion dollars stacked up in one hundred dollar bills, it'll be as tall as the tallest building on earth. If you take a trillion dollars in one hundred dollar bills and stack them up on top of each other, it would reach the the United States Space Station. Um, one point six four trillion dollars for a nation that's thirty three trillion dollars in debt is is one word incompetent incompetent and you know you could even start to venture into the to the the realm of of treason and you know you could say this is abstract and this is where the democrats have gone way off the reservation they talk about january 6 january 6 this is a this is an insurrection this is a a threat to democracy this this could have uh, you know brought america to a screeching halt as we know it but the Democrats, and obviously many of the Republicans, Mike Johnson being one of them, uh, have, have seem to have no real, no real uh, acknowledgement that that an economic implosion of our of our nation could also lead to the end of democracy. Also, could lead to the the death of a nation. Also, could lead to to uh, undermining the nation uh, in in a way that would, um, let's say make it uh, irredeemable. And, and, and so when I see the passion that, that, is, uh, that is spoken about January 6th, and then I see the, the, the deafening silence when it comes to our, our economic situation, you know, it, it's, it's almost laughable. It, it is laughable. And it's the biggest insult to your intelligence because really they know that you are uh, economically illiterate. They know, they know the widespread, uh, the, 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 that the masses, that the, the, the widespread uh, understanding of, of economics, of macroeconomics is so poor, uh, no pun intended, it's, it's just, it's so um, underdeveloped uh, that that they can run that scam on you. That you'll be more, you, you're you're more interested in in gossip. You're more interested in in the emotional wedge issues. You're more interested in the the issues that 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 are easy to to get caught up in a conversation, uh, in you know, uh, in your daily life, right? With your loved one, with your parents, with your coworkers, or what? It's easy to get caught up in those things that 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 ring the bells that that make the headlines, but the, the money never seems to really make the headlines until it's already too late. Right. I mean, in 2009, after the, the collapse of the housing market, of course, the, the, the headline on, on the wall street journal is, you know, uh, financial crisis. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, leading up to that, what, what made the headlines and the wall street journal is a bad example. Cause they're always, you know, they're always, at least covering financial issues is that's that's kind of what they do. It's the Wall Street Journal, but but the rest of the, the mainstream media does does a pretty good job of of keeping that in the background. They they keep it roped off for a, a particular class, uh, a particular 
echelon group of, of political, cultural, and economic elites. And they hope you don't, you're, you're none the wiser, right? And, and so when, when we go to pass a $1.64 trillion continued resolution in, in the House, when we're that far in debt, I mean, they think you're going to be, you know, you're too busy with uh, the NFL playoffs or, or you're too busy with a drug habit or, you know, following the latest trend on social media, you know, whatever pseudo, pseudo politics, pseudoscience, pseudo politics are, are permeating in the scientific or academic community that make their way to the mainstream media or the blogs or the podcasts or, or you know, night, nightly news with Stephen Colbert or John Oliver. They think you're too consumed with any of that to really care that your political elites just agreed to steal more money from you. And that's exactly what just happened. They are robbing you. They are robbing you blind. They are robbing you with no mask. They're robbing you without a gun. They're robbing you with a pin. Now, the pin that they carry comes with the back of the military industrial complex and the police state, which they also know is, is so big and powerful and, and, and uh, you know, well-funded, per the pin we're discussing, that it's so well-funded, they really don't need to worry about a revolt. They really don't, re really, they, they, they really don't need to worry about the people rising up and saying no, because if need be, they will they will subjugate you, they will steal from you at the tip of a spear, at the point of a sword, at the end of a barrel of a gun, if need be. They will do it that way. They just don't want to have to. And, and there's a brilliance to that. And I was saying to somebody the other, line, the other day on, on, on Twitter, you got to understand when we talk about slavery and we talk about wage slavery, <clears throat> when we talk about slavery, uh, many people look at abolition, uh, the abolishment of slavery here or in Europe as this, uh, as this monumental positive moment in history. And yes, I mean, to free slaves from their chains is always regarded as a, you know, an uplifting moment for, for any society, culture, community, nation, etc., because the human spirit yearns for freedom. And, and also the, the human intellect understands the, the, the importance of freedom. Made in God's image, we understand that because God gave us free will. Our consciousness, conscience, I mean, our, our consciousness tells us that we have free will. We experience free will in the most direct way. So naturally, there's, a, there's, a, there's an importance to freedom that's baked in our, our divine makeup you could say. So we understand freedom. We, we long for freedom. We yearn for freedom. So whenever slaves come out of bondage, uh, it, it's regarded, it's, it's revered as an uplifting moment in, in that community, nation, society, civilizations, history. But we have to also remember that while one form of, of bondage ends, another can begin, and another can begin right away. In fact, another could have been planned for us before those chains were ever broken. Here in America, that's what we have. There in Europe, that's what we had. Here in the West, that's what we had. We had a form of slavery that was, that was predicated on, on a, a sort of racial superiority. Let's say it. I mean, 
but not even a racial superiority, just more of an an elitist superiority. And I always try and tell people to remember the history that the Arabs were a slave trading culture before the Europeans. Or they were just as good as the Europeans, let's say. But but I would even I would even go back to Egypt. And the Egyptians aren't Arabs, but you know, again, ipso facto, um, the Egyptians uh, are the sine qua non of of a slave trade or a slave taking culture. I mean, that's where our that's where our stories in the Bible come from in the in the Old Testament of of uh, the captivity of, of the Hebrews and and the, the Exodus uh, with the great prophet Moses. Um. So there were all kinds of civilizations that took slaves. The Industrial Revolution certainly helped to industrialize uh, the slave trade or, or slavery as a, as a global business model, which the British Empire and the Crown were able to, to lead through their naval superiority. Um, so they, they controlled that racket. And, and the thing to remember is that the British weren't the only people who took slaves. They were just the best at it. And it wasn't only Africans who they enslaved. That was just the, the number one source, so to speak. But there are other people who took slaves. There, there are black people who owned slaves in America. Okay? There, were other, there were white slaves in America. Uh, there were Asian slaves in America. There were, there were uh, Native American slaves in America. There were Native Americans who owned slaves in America. Okay, so this history is all, always kind of uh, mistold, let's say, and mistold with, with great intention. The, the point is to, to keep one narrative going down the center of the road as to be able to pull from uh, it whenever you need to, to to justify the corrupt politics we have now, which is obviously, again, let's keep black people voting Democrat. If we can just keep black people voting Democrat by default, we don't have to worry about about a change of the status quo because we can always rely on on that narrative and and their buy-in and then and then after the election hey of course the greater atlanta area flooded in a hundred thousand extra votes for for the democrats as to we all expect uh, we're trying to fight that narrative right now i'm trying to fight that narrative with this podcast and you're seeing slowly but surely the black community which is always signaled by the black elite the, the entertainment industry the black bourgeoisie uh, they're all starting to say in unison, Donald Trump's better than Joe Biden. We we we'll take Donald Trump over Joe Biden, and and that's a sign that that's a cause for real concern, because even if, even if they they cheat, even if they they try to take Donald Trump out, history will always now reflect that Joe Biden had had failed in such dramatic fashion that there was a, 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 a consensus that, that started to emerge in the black community that we were better off voting for Donald Trump than we were Joe Biden. We were better off voting for uh, the, the, the misunderstood, controversial, controversial Republican candidate than we were the traditional, safe, uh, default Democrat candidate. So that, that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. But my, my point is, again, about the slave the slave-taking uh, nations and the slave trade is one form of slavery ended and another form of slavery began. We, we ended chattel slavery, bondage, chain slavery, 
and wage slavery began. The wage slavery was to expand the business model of slavery from the crown that was somewhat constrained to African slaves, expand that business model well beyond this, this, this sort of subhuman uh, racial superiority uh, dynamic. Why? Well, that's obvious. Why would we just slave the, you all, all you purists out there who actually think it's about black and white, you all were caught up on the gravy train of, of feeling superior based on skin color. But us, the people who steal money, the people who are interested in the financial benefit, the financial gain, the profit, we don't want to just stop there. You all are dumb. You all think that that's, you know, that's good enough for your little simple mind. But, but the way the money works, especially the way the money works at a global stage, a global scale or international, international scale, we want everything we can get. That's, that's part of the business model. Drugs, piracy, slavery. Okay? The piracy part, we want, we want everything that's not tied down. And that is how our elites have operated for a long time here in the West. We, we, we've, we've kind of become enculturated with that mentality. Some of, some of what's gone so wrong with capitalism is an acceptance of that, that sort of piracy mentality. We want as much as we possibly can stuff in our pockets. Well, well, part of, you know, first off, all money isn't good money. And if you have so much money that you have to stuff it in your pockets and try and run away with it while it's falling out along the, along the, the you know, along the trail, along the path, then it's it probably a good sign that, number one, the way you got the money isn't good. But number two, the state of mind you're in isn't, isn't such that you can keep the money or, or certainly be righteous with the money. And, and that last piece is probably the most important. And we certainly failed to, to maintain a level of righteousness um, in our, in our, in our uh, economy, in our, in our business, and uh, in, in the way that we've, we've uh, grown the nation and, and industrial, from an industrial standpoint. But of course, of course, of course I would trade up. I mean, why would I, why would I keep slavery bound to, to this, 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 this sort of social, uh, this social difference when I could have all of you be slaves? <laughs> we'll take all of you being slaves. That's perfect for us. Perfect for us. We, you know, black people being, you know, slaves, that's cool. I mean, you know, the whole social Darwinist theory, the whole social Darwinist philosophy, you know, Black people are subhuman, you know, that, that whole deal. That, that worked good for us. That was cool. That was a good way to get the ball rolling. That was like the seed capital. That was like the seed narrative. The seed narrative coming out of Great Britain and the, and the intellectual tradition of, of the crown uh, and, and greater Europe, the, the British Empire, the, the seed capital, the seed narrative was social Darwinism. But all of it was just a means to an end. And the means to the, 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 the means was these are the easiest people for us to justify treating this way. And we can justify it to you all. We can justify it to you other Europeans. We can justify it to you people who are settling in America. We can justify it to you black folks who may have a little affluence in America. We could, we could justify it to you Native Americans who may have slaves too, may have had slaves. We can justify it easily because, hey, I mean, these people 
speak a different language. They're, they're savages. They're from another place. They're not sophisticated. They don't, they don't dress proper. They, you know, like, like, like Richard Nixon and Reagan were on the, uh, the call saying they, they don't even wear shoes. These people from over in this other place, they, they, they're not like you. They're subhuman. Well, that was an easy way to kick things off. But that was never the end goal. The end goal was to, to slowly but surely justify slavery at a spiritual level, to get the people to accept slavery at a spiritual level. And that's exactly what happened. So after we abolished slavery, there began the wage slavery. And now we're going to expand it to everybody who works, anybody who has a working wage, anybody who has a working wage who we can tax, Anybody who works, anybody who has a working wage that we can tax, you are now on the slave mill. And you don't see it that way because, you know, there's sort of this illusion of freedom that we've created around the the ability to, to work, have money come to you, whether we take a, a big portion, a reasonable portion or not through, through taxes and other, and other means, but um, have a portion of money come to you. And, and allow you to be able to do whatever you want with it. But there's only so much you can do with it. And that only so much you can do with it is regulated by us. It's overseen by us. It's, it's, it's dominated and controlled by us. And I'm not making an argument for Karl Marx here. But what I'm saying is the people like Karl Marx certainly knew to draw upon the economic, the economic, uh, uh, the economic scams of, of cultural elites, the emergent economic scams of, of, of cultural hierarchies, political hierarchies, economic hierarchies, he knew to draw on that scam right away to have the, 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 most, the most runway um, for, for his secular beliefs, which is really what Marxism was, which is really what Marxism did. If you don't understand that, then, then you, don't, you don't understand how the three card Monty works. You don't understand the overlay for the underlay. You don't understand the, 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 the three cups in a ball trick. Okay. The reason why there's three cups is because one cup is meant to add a, a, an extra, an extra source of distraction, an extra source of, of perceived choice. Three card Monty, right? So, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. Does Karl Marx make a great point about about the, uh, you know, what what seems to be an emergent, um, unequal distribution of wealth and resources, that that's predicated on, you could say the, the, uh, the ability for one to dominate another and thus multiple of others, other people in order to rise up hierarchically and, 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 and uh, you know, sort of entrench themselves and, and whatever that, that, that accrued power is. Yeah, of course. That, that's, that's a reality. I mean, that's, that's just, that's just based in, in good sound historical evidence. The, the question is what was Karl Marx's motive in, in saying it? Was it to make sure that everybody prospered, that people had a better way of life, that people had a better standard of life, quality of life? I, I doubt that. I doubt that. Because when you, if you're going to say, if, 
first of all, it, it kind of falsifies itself on itself because if you if you make the claim that these economic hierarchies are are almost inevitable, then obviously the the remedy would be to give people uh, some source of of belief or or existence in, in in our case as Christians faith to rely upon to to see the value of their life outside of the material world, outside of their material wealth or 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 their uh, material success, so to speak. Which is why I've told you from the earliest days of the podcast that that Marxism was a reduction of the human existence down to material. Marxism is, is radical materialism. In any, any political world, any philosophy that looks at, at the human existence disconnected from the metaphysical or from the divine or from faith is a radical materialist worldview. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're yellow, brown, green, clear. Doesn't matter to me. If you separate the human existence from the divine, from the metaphysical, from faith, you have made it a radical materialist existence. And there's only one outcome of radical materialism. Self-destruction. The only sure outcome of radical materialism is self-destruction. Is the destruction of oneself or the destruction of others? Which in turn ends up being the destruction of self anyway at a certain point. Um, so, yes, we, we, we overcame slavery, but we've entered into wage slavery. And, and I tie this back to the, the continued resolution. When they pass a $1.64 trillion bill, what they're telling you, the American people, is we've provided you a, 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 a level of convenience, a lifestyle of convenience so great, so grand, so, so, um, so fulfilling, even if superficially, that the superficial is, is become so good so well masked, so so hidden in what, what you would think is valuable. We've done such a good job, we can steal your money and tell you it's for your own good. We can take your money and tell you it's for your own good. And, and you all should be offended by that. You all should be greatly offended by that. I'm offended, for it, I'm offended by it for you. It's one of the main reasons I got involved in politics. And it's why when I'm on Fearless with Jason Whitlock, you'll hear me talk about the, the financial scams, uh, the, 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 the three-card Monty, the Ponzi scheme, the Federal Reserve, things that people, I don't know, it's not interesting enough for people, I guess. I, 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 don't, I don't give a fuck if it's interesting or not. I mean, the only thing I'm here to do is tell you the truth. And, and if we want to talk about politics, then follow the money. And if you follow the money, you, you end up at a $1.64 trillion continued resolution spending bill of your, your political elites who basically say, well, we know how to spend your money better than you do. We know what you need. And we vote for them to represent us. And then that's the other side of the coin is, and much of it's on them, but a lot of it's on us. A lot of us don't even know that we're being robbed. A lot of us don't. And, and you know, th here's a cart before the horse, chicken before the egg. Who's more to blame? I don't know. I don't know. I understand. I understand the, the, the counter-argument from the people, from we the people. The counter-argument is these, these elites 
use knowledge, use information, use skill and expertise to rig the system of, of learning in a way such that, uh, that we the people wouldn't know the necessary things to properly combat their, their schemes. And a lot of that is true. There's a reason why uh, economics is not a real central focus of, of, of mandatory educational curriculums. And I don't, when I say economics, I'm not talking about how trade works or how, I mean the way that our economic system works, the, the, way that, the way that the economics works from a political standpoint. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I mean, they have political science class. It's usually an elective. Uh, they have economics. It's usually an elective, right? Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not mandatory. It's not mandatory from a young age. Every year, American citizens should have three classes. Three classes should be mandatory requirements for all American citizens. Civics, American civics, how the civic process works, civic duty, uh, economics, and politics, political science. I mean, I guess you could say the civics and the, the politics could maybe be one class, but 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 in some cases, even not. I'd say American civics, I mean, there there's what it means to be a citizen and your rights as a citizen, then there's how politics work, okay? And, and then there's the economics. I think all three of those should be requirements, to be required learning for American citizens. One, for us to safeguard ourselves from ourselves or safeguard ourselves from enemies that are domestic, let alone foreign. But they, that, that's not the case, and that's not by accident. And if you think... That the, that the educational system in this country is constructed the way it's constructed by accident, all you have to do is look at the common, the, the common consensus in your American political campaigns that says you can't speak to American citizens above a fifth grade reading level. When you write, um, when you write, what do they call it? When you write your materials, uh, your, 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 um, your information that you send out for your campaign, whether it be email or whether it be the stuff that you take door to door, when you write that material, you're not supposed to write above a fifth grade reading level. Well, how did that happen? How are we required by law to finish 12 grades of schooling to get a high school diploma in, in America, but, but most Americans can't read beyond the fifth grade? I mean, what... And that's a huge gap now. And understand, I'm not making this up. This isn't made up. I'm not just saying the fifth grade arbitrarily. That is the number. I mean, where do you think are you smarter than a fifth grader comes from? I mean, it's basically them mocking you. It's the mainstream media industrial complex mocking you because their overlords, the mainstream media industrial complex, are the same people who set the educational curriculum through the politicians they put in front of you to elect. So they know what the average reading level is of, of your American citizens. They set the game that way intentionally because it's easy to subjugate and conquer people who are dumb or people who don't know what they don't know. Let's not say you're dumb because, you know, some of these, some, some people have very good common sense, very good, uh, you know, spiritual insight, uh, very, very, are just naturally intelligent. But there are certain types of information. There are certain types of science. And, and economics is a form of science. Money, uh, 
is a is a form of is a is a type of science. There are certain sciences, certain things that certain individuals have expertise in that that we wouldn't know unless we know. We wouldn't know unless we had some specific familiarity with that domain of 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 society. Now, many of us, because God gave us uh, that, that that sort of spiritual divine intuition towards what's true and what's not true, many of us intuit that something is dishonest about the way the money is uh, being handled. But mostly it's because we just can feel we're getting screwed. I mean, you go and work and you come home and you check and you look at the taxes and you think to myself, okay, got to take taxes out because I live in a country, but then I go to drive to the grocery store and, and, and the road in front of my my uh, apartment building, which you probably live in an apartment building the, the, or, or duplex or condo or whatever it is, you know, uh, maybe your house, uh, but the road in front of it is full of potholes here in Minnesota from the, from the winter, from a, a winter ago, two winters ago now. Right. So, I mean, there's a part of the human, the human uh, spirit that just can sense something is off. But that doesn't mean we know where to begin. And many of us think about economics in a personal and individual sense. We think about, you know, how much money we pay for things, how much money. And we don't think about it in terms of the government spending money on our behalf. And that's where we have to come to. And then slowly but surely it's happening. And I'll tell you what, they bit off way more they could, than they could chew uh, from, from, a, from a PR standpoint with this Ukraine war. Black people are very offended by and should be very offended by the amount of money we've sent to the Ukraine for, for this forever war, this forever conflict we want with Russia. They bit off, they bit off way more than they can chew with that, with that PR, with that propaganda, because we, 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 we don't care what your justification is. You know, Victoria Newland and, and Keegan, we don't care what your Atlanticist, uh, you know, real politic uh, Henry Kissinger school of, of, of uh, you know, school of uh, neocon, neoliberal world order. We don't care what your justification is. So, see, and that's part of the problem. In one sense, you want black people to vote Democrat blind by default. Uh, but, you know, in, in one sense, you want you want to 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 undereducate the average American citizen, so they won't know the difference between voting for a neoliberal, a neocon, and a globalist, which is not different at all. They're all three of the same people. Um, you want to keep the people undereducated, but then you want to, them to understand your esoteric, uh, you, you know, your, your esoteric justifications for war. See, and, and that's where these people are going to fall all, all over themselves. And, and even more importantly, that's where these people are going to grow frustrated with you, the little guy, the American citizen, the, the everyday average working class American citizen. They're going to grow frustrated with you, and their impetus is going to be to enslave you, to, to, to imprison you, or to kill you. And you have to understand that is the modus operandi of the highest level global elite that we can hear talking today uh, out there on the stage or, or up at the podium. Their frustration with you, their, their sense of, 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 of anti-human depopulation, it, it stems from them 
undereducating you for their own benefit and convenience and then being mad at you because you don't understand their esotericism. <laughs> and the NBA said I was too smart for my own good. They may have been they may have been right in the long run we'll see. I think God's smarter than they are, but hey, I'm just a I'm just a crazy black guy from from Minnesota running running a MAGA for United States Senate. They say I need 50 million dollars. I I say give me a fucking break if we need $50 million to win these elections. That means we've done a poor job of, of telling the people what they need to know. And that's that's all I'm here to do. Let, let the people choose. Let's, let's have a vote. Let's have an election. And if we lose, we need to do a better job of getting the message out. Because one thing is for sure, the message isn't the problem. The message is, is ironclad. Now, <clears throat> there are a few people in there like Fuentes and some other, you know, fringy guys who 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 want to try and uh you know dirty the message up or, or muddy the message up with a bunch of bullshit uh but but you know people aren't dumb people get it black people get it black people understand look you know you can tell me white supremacy is the boogeyman at the door and i gotta vote democrat i gotta vote for you white liberals because those white republicans are are you know they're the kkk and they really don't like black people uh, and I start to think to myself, who doesn't like black people more? The people who are trying to take my right to own a gun or the people who are trying to give me the right to own a gun? Hmm. Who doesn't like me more? The people who are trying to put less government in my private life or more government in my private life? Who doesn't like me more? The people who want me to spend less money on a war that really has nothing to do with my my everyday life or my quality of life or my children or family or community or the people who want to spend an infinite amount of money. And, and the people who want to spend an infinite amount of money are not just Republican or Democrat. They're both. That's the uniparty. But the only people who seem to be fighting against this 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 norm, this this status quo of 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 endless, reckless, sort of psychotic self-destructive spending is the MAGA movement. And if you don't want to call us Republicans, we're fine with that. You can say that MAGA isn't Republican. In fact, you probably need to get, get familiar with that, that framework. But they'll call me Republican anyway because to, to them it doesn't matter how the propaganda shakes out. To them, no matter how the propaganda shakes out, they're relying on the fact that you're only, you're only slightly interested in the details anyway. You don't really, you, we don't have to spend a lot of time getting you to understand the nuances of, of America first conservatism and establishment neocon republicanism. We don't, we don't have to, you, you don't care about that nuance. That's, that's their, that's their, that's their go-to move. That's the source of their comfort, their, their, their reliability, their, their comfort in the status quo is that you don't really care about the details. The details matter. The details are all that matters. The devil is in the details. For all you Christians, you got to understand. The details are where the corruption is going to be. Of the body, of the mind, of the spirit. It's going to happen in the details. Satan is a, is, a, is, a, is a wicked character because he's good at manipulating you with the details, in the details. That's why in the Bible, when it says you're not, when, when Christ says you're not only accountable for what you do, you're accountable for what you think. We have this kind of, 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 of uh, 
immature, you know, post-Renaissance enlightenment, secular view of, 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 of the human mind and the human intellect that, that we are responsible for the things we think. What you think is, is, is who you are in many cases. Now, you can fight that. That's not the be-all, end-all. But you, you, you damn sure have to be responsible for the things that you think, let alone the things you do. And so they're, they're counting on you not to be detail-oriented. That's how they want to run the scam. That's how they've been running the scam. You, you won't look at the details. You look at a Mike Johnson and you think, oh, here's some Republican guy from, the, you know, from, from Louisiana, from, from, the, from the Bible Belt, so to speak, that, that the, the MAGA people chose. Meanwhile, we don't, we, you know, he's out. And, and Mike Johnson's out. Motion to vacate. I'm saying it. Motion to vacate Speaker Mike Johnson immediately. And I said it back when, when Matt Gaetz, uh, you know, purged Kevin McCarthy from the, from, the, from the House speakership. And everybody said, whoa, whoa, what, 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 what's the plan? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going conti- to put another person up there until we find somebody who's actually going to represent the people's interests. If the next speaker has to go to, so be it and the next one after him. Do we know that the deep state and the establishment are going to come to these guys and, 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 and you know, give them the ultimatums? Hey, you know, we got 10 years of you looking at gay porn, and if you, if you don't play along, we're going to expose you to the world or to your wife or to your family or whatever the case may be. And maybe the evidence that they bring against the, the, the maybe the evidence that they use to blackmail is authentic. Maybe it isn't. With how crazy technology has gotten, we don't even know if the evidence people are using to blackmail is even true. I could easily go to you and if I can get you to believe that the the public will believe my story, that's just as easy to blackmail you with uh, as if you actually did it or not. If it's the perception of of consequence that can be dangerous. And I'm not saying they blackmailed Mike Johnson with gay porn, uh, internet history, or, or any of that. That's that's just a hypothetical. But my point is, he definitely has went with the establishment on many of the things he said he wouldn't. And he got up there when he was vying to become speaker, and when he came out of, out of nowhere to become speaker, which was strange in and of itself. It kind of suggested a sort of a sort of kingmaker in the background at work, but. He came out of nowhere, became the speaker. He talked about all these things he was going to stand for and do. And as soon as he got in the seat, in the blink of an eye, overnight, he starts shilling for the establishment and going and going with the going with the status quo. And nothing more important, none none more obvious than this continued resolution bill: one point six four trillion dollars for a seven week continuance. Slavery, economic tyranny, economic imperialism. $800 billion out of it goes to the military, the Victoria Newlands, the, the, the Bob Keegans of the world. Let's fight a war with Russia. <coughs> Russia, Russia, Russia. It's ridiculous. It, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, you know. The Ukraine's lost the war in Russia. 
it's over. What we got to decide now is, is how are we going to deal with Russia going forward? How is Russia going to deal with the rest of Europe? Because to be quite honest, we're not European. And the Europeans can say Vladimir Putin is going to keep coming west. Look, Great Britain and, and greater Europe has been fighting a war with Russia for a long time. And for part of the time, the Europeans have been able to fend off Russia. And sometimes Russia's been able to, you know, fend off Europe's incursion on there. And it's back and forth and back and forth, okay? Poland better get ready. I don't know. I, I don't know what Vladimir Putin plans to do. I'm not, I'm not in, the, in, the, in the business of, of crystal ball predictions. I don't, I don't know what he's going to do. I, I really don't. What I can tell you is once you enter into war, the fog of war, you're in the law of unintended consequences. Anything could happen. Do I think he'll go further west? I don't really think so. I, I don't think that's his ambition. Vladimir Putin's not a very young man. You guys got to realize. Okay. You know, I, I think he felt like he had to take a stand on, on, you know, the Ukraine because it's right on his border. I mean, right on his border, immediate border. Two countries over, I'm not so sure he's as interested. Interested, But maybe. And America has to figure out what line they're going to draw and, and, how, and, and what that what that conflict actually could look like. They can tell you they're, they're war gaming that out. I, I don't think so. The, the Ukraine is a disaster. The Middle East theater, the, the, the Afghanistan-Iraq theater was a disaster. Testimony from, from countless number of veterans from those tours continue to tell us just how, how uh, you know, how much went on that, that we, we couldn't have predicted. Um, so, you know, I mean, who, who knows what's going to go on? Who knows what's going to take place? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. But what I do know is the American taxpayer has the right to decide what, what's important for their, them in their future. We, we have that right. We, we, we demand that right. We, we, should, we, should, we should expect that right. Right now, you got a bunch of elite who think, you know, they know better than you. They know better. They know how to spend your money better than you do. You you don't understand. You don't understand what it what it means to hold the Russians off, to hold the Russians in check. You don't know what it what it what it is to keep the Arab world in check. You have no idea the enemies that are out there and what they want to do to you. You you sleep comfortably at night because we people like Mike Johnson and the the, the Joint uh, Chiefs of Staff or whatever other military generals we we know how the world really works. So you, you continue to just give us your money and give us your confidence and, and, and pray for the best. That's not American. That's not, Amer that's not American citizenship. That's, that's, not how, that's not how our founding fathers, uh, you know, crafted this thing. You know, I can speak about Nikki Haley in the same vein, right? Nikki Haley the same way. Right. She's she's you know, I was thinking about Nikki Haley the other day. Excuse me, I'm sorry to yawn. I was thinking about Nikki Haley the other day and it, it, it dawned on me. Nothing says globalist more than giving up your your seat, resigning as a governor, as a sitting governor to become the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. There is nothing that screams globalist. There is nothing that screams cosmopolitan more than giving up your seat as a state governor 
to become the ambassador, the United States ambassador to the United Nations. This tells you that our sense of governor, our, our sense of governance is, is too, too global. Your, your job as a state, as a state governor to uphold the, the boundary between the federal government and the rights of your citizens, your, your, your state's citizens, is the highest form of duty you could have in this country. And increasingly, as we saw with Ron DeSantis, but, but other governors as well, uh, many governors are going to be called upon in this chapter of American history to, to hold the line between the federal government, the grandiose federal government, and the residents of their state, the citizens of their state. I, I was just thinking about that with Nikki Haley the other, the other day. Nikki Haley. And oh, by the way, if you still think that race doesn't matter, now Nikki Haley's played the race card. I don't know if you've seen that clip, but but Nikki Haley played the, uh, you know, I didn't answer the question the, the I didn't answer the question right about the Civil War and slavery. So now I have to go back and 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 say that I know what it's like to be teased for being brown. I know what it's like to be a brown person who gets teased based on racism. And to be quite honest. When I see Nikki Haley, I don't see a I don't see a black person. I don't see a brown person. I don't see an Indian person, to be honest. I mean, not not a, in a contemporary sense where you're like, man, that person's so Indian looking. And you and you, look, I live in Minnesota. We have a prominent Indian community here in Minnesota, and and many of them are big supporters of me. I'm I'm very big supporters of of uh, of, of Modi and the, the the nationalism there in India. Do I agree with everything? No. Do I think India's perfect? No, they got huge problems with, with their population and the caste system, culture, and whatnot. You know, we know the history there. But, but I like nationalism, and, and I like anywhere in the world where, where their leaders have the balls and courage to, to, to promote and, and, and push uh, nationalism, you know, uh, protecting the interests of their citizens. Citizenship is the key word for the America First movement. Um, but but regardless, when I look at Nikki Haley, I don't see an Indian person. All I see is a neocon. All I see is a person who's saying whatever she needs to say for political expediency. I don't, I don't think about race at all. It doesn't even it, did, it never even dawned on me that Nikki Haley was was wasn't white. And, and maybe, you know, partly that that's an indictment of me. I mean, even my own eyes, even my own eyes from a cultural standpoint have been have been trained to look at people and and maybe their facial features or the color of their skin and, and make assumptions about about what ethnic heritage they have or or what race they may be or what whatever the case is. Yeah. I mean, even I can say that, you know, I, I didn't realize Nikki Haley was was from was from India or her her, her parents were both from India. I don't know. Are they, are they, you know, in every, you know, you could go to Mexico. You know, there are people in Mexico. There are white people in Mexico. There are black people in Mexico. If you want to say it that way, there are people who are lighter skinned in Mexico. There are people who are darker skinned in Mexico. There are people in America who come from Europe. There are people in America who come from Africa. There are people in America who come from Af African heritage. There are people in America who come from European heritage. Russian heritage. There are people in America who are mixed with both. 
There are people in America who are mixed with all three, myself being one of them. I got African heritage. I have Norwegian heritage. I have Mexican or what, you know, what they would say is native or indigenous heritage. Mexico the same way. India the same way. England the same way. I mean, so this is where the conversation about race and ethnicity and nationality often get confused. I mean, remember a couple episodes back when I was talking about Afghanistan with Professor Penn and, and uh, 9-11 and Osama bin Laden, you know, it, people think that he was Saudi. And yes, he was a Saudi national, but he was uh, Yemeni ethnically, right? He I mean, his people were from, they were from Yemen. His, his family was from Yemen. He was a Saudi national. So nationality, ethnicity, and race is something that we shouldn't get mixed up. But we don't even have to really, I mean, that's not even what's really important. That, that whole lexicon of thought is more intended to be WWE distraction. And Nikki Haley's showing you, oh, I know what it's like to be an oppressed, teased, you know, racially targeted brown person. Oh, Nikki Haley, give me a break. Give me a break. What, 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 growing up, in, where, where, where were you oppressed, Nikki? Give me a break. I mean, what, 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 kind of, what kind of scam is it that you would... What else could I even say about it? I mean, if that isn't laughable on face value, then I don't even know if you... You, you probably don't have a sense of humor. Just unsubscribe from the podcast because we, we probably don't think in the same, in the same, uh, in the same tone. But, I mean, it's just hilarious to me to see. It almost, I almost thought it was AI. I actually, when I first saw the video, I thought it was AI. I, I thought it was, uh, you know, AI generated. Because I couldn't imagine that, that Nikki Haley would be so dumb, and her, even more so, her campaign would be so dumb to, you know, to answer the controversy of the Civil War question with, with you know, with the race car. <laughs> with, the, with the I'm Indian, so I know what it's like to be racially, uh, you know, you know, uh, to experience racism. Incredible. And I'm not saying that she didn't experience racism. I'm just saying it's a funny card to play. It's a, it's a funny card for a neocon globalist to play. But again, it's not shocking. And it kind of reveals who Nikki Haley is. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm just taking you through the paces of how to critically think about certain things, even even something as as casual as that, but but it really was revealing, because again, what does it say that you would give up your your seat, your duty as a state governor to become the United States ambassador of the United Nations? Nothing says globalist like that. Nothing says a profound lack of 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 uh, of patriotism. Now, some people could make the case, oh, well, you know, the United Nations and representing uh, our country and you know, world stage is, is an important patriotic duty. Is uh, Get the fuck out of here. The United Nations is a scam. That's the whole point. Not only did you give your seat up as a governor for some cosmopolitan uh, jo uh, job, but it's, it, the organization is a scam. The United Nations is a scam. Now this this episode may be taken down for saying that, but I truly believe that the United Nations is a scam, and that's why I played Muammar Gaddafi's speech last Friday again for the third time. Uh, you know, at the United Nations in two thousand and nine, 
Because despite what you think about Muammar Gaddafi, uh, despite you know what you what you uh, how you see Muammar Gaddafi in his life, what you can't deny is that he systematically dismantled the myth of the United Nations and how it functions in that in that speech. I mean, and you could just feel the unrest in the crowd. He systematically went point by point with how the United States Charter was written how it functions, and what the results have been over the last 60 years. From wars to assassinations to the general structure of the Security Council and the agreements that come out of it, he just dismantled it. And what I come away from thinking is the United Nations is a scam. Anybody who would give up their their civic duty, their, their patriotic duty to their state to be a part of some traveling cosmopolitan, uh, you know, Fugazi like the United Nations, is exactly is 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 Nikki Haley, is somebody who is just you know talking for a political expediency, saying whatever she needs to. None of it seems genuine. And when when her back's up against the wall, after all things are said and done, she plays the race card. It's the it's the Republican presidential candidate, <laughs> Nikki Haley playing the race card was not. Nikki Haley playing the race card um, was was not not something I saw coming. That that wasn't on my 2024 bingo card. That's that's pretty funny, guys. I hope you got a kick out of that. But Nikki Haley's candidacy in general is a joke, and the fact that any the fact that any Republican out there would vote for Nikki Haley is is a symptom of um, is a sign and symptom of everything that's wrong with the country. The Republican Party, the conservative movement has failed to uphold uh, the, 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 the basic integrity, uh, the basic, 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 I'm sorry, basic intelligence and integrity uh, that, that we the people need from the Republican Party, from the conservative movement. We, we need that, that sense of integrity and intelligence. And, and Nikki Haley as a viable option is so far from that, it's almost scary. But there's one thing that she's she's very very solid on. There's one thing she that 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 you can rely on her for, and that is military industrial complex. She is a shill for the military industrial complex. She she loves a 1.64 trillion dollar continued resolution spending bill with an 800 billion dollar uh, 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 ba- uh 800 billion dollar uh, split for the military. That's right up her alley. You know who else does is Amy Klobuchar. The three have so much in common. Nikki Haley, Amy Klobuchar, Mike Johnson. The only difference between the three is Mike Johnson's actually, uh, you know, uh, cuck enough to actually pass him, try and pass himself as being MAGA. Trying to pass himself as being America first. The other two are, are staunch anti-America firsters. And there again, you see the three-card Monty. I think, I think that's the, the, the takeaway for today's episode, right? Episode 157, Mike Johnson and the continued resolution bill for $1.74 trillion. The federal government and your political elites are stealing your money hand over fist. They're robbing you blind. Nikki Haley, Amy Klobuchar, and Mike Johnson are the contemporary American three-card Monty. Signed, sealed, delivered. Yours truly, Royce White. Um, scarier news is uh, we we are 
intensifying in, in the war or, or military conflicts around the world, whether it's there in Yemen, you see more conflict coming out of Lebanon. Um, there's huge movement there in Iran. Iran supposedly is has threatened to or has in the last week moved a, a warship of theirs into the to the Mediterranean, I believe. I don't think it was the Red Sea. I think it was the Mediterranean, which is not a good sign. And uh, it, it would seem we are headed for a collision course with Iran uh, any day now. It could it could be really. And and I don't say that to, to try and fear monger. It just it just seems like the situation is at that level between us and Iran. And uh, you have to think that Iran's first stop is is definitely going to be Israel. It would shock me if if a preemptive attack, I mean, if a, well, yeah, you could call it a preemptive attack from Iran wouldn't be Israel. Um, and so, you know, we find ourselves trying to answer the questions that I asked uh, on October 7th, um, a few months back, when the attack from Hamas happened on Israel, is, is what have we actually done to the Jews in Israel? Where they've been placed, what, what, wh- how we've handled uh, our international relations, um, have we left them as as cannon fodder in 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 this this regional conflict? Maybe not. I mean, maybe Israel. You know, we nobody knows what anybody else has. That's the other thing we got to get clear about. We don't really know what Iran has. We say we do, but like I said on October the eighth, if you can't see Hamas roll up to the wall of Israel with front loaders with five thousand rockets, I have trouble thinking that you have uh, good enough surveillance to to know the full capacity of Iran's military. So, you know, maybe we have some idea, but I don't think we know exactly what they have. I kind of think Iran has a nuke. The way that they're talking, the way that they're moving around, either they have a nuke or we're actually paying them to do this. Somebody with some some analog in our own government and our own political elite or maybe a more organized global uh, political elite are actually uh, underwriting what what Iran is doing for some to some greater uh, end, which which is scary and but but it wouldn't shock me. But but if not, if, I mean, if they are acting independently, I kind of think they got a nuclear weapon because because they're 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 kind of they're kind of puffing their chest out a little more than you would you would expect. And I also think there may be some other people that are behind Iran that won't won't say it publicly but have promised their support in private. So we'll see all how that all shakes out. And, and you know, maybe it's all just one big maybe it's all just one big circus to distract us. Maybe it's all just one big circus to to justify everybody involved, each party taking more money from their people to justify war, a war machine. We don't know. We don't know. But we do, what we do know is America uh, is, and, and the United Kingdom in a joint effort are um, exchanging, exchanging military, uh, exchanging missiles and, and other things with, with different people there in the region. So the, atten- the intensity is, is up another notch. Um, what we can't say is how it'll shake out. What we can say is we know it's going to be used to justify spending more money. And all I want the American people out there to, to really understand is we may have to fight a war. You know, that, that, we, that, that may be. 
Fighting a war may be necessary. Um, but the question is, to what end? What will be the end result of, of, of whatever we fight and die for? So this has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio, powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement. Help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White. This is episode 157. Um, if you can, go to freepeopleradio.com. There you can find out where you can watch and listen to the podcast, as well as follow us on social media. You can also go to freepeopleradio.store, buy merchandise from the podcast. Go to roycewhite.us for Senate. And, and see what we're doing there in the Senate campaign against Amy Klobuchar. Really, all we're saying is border, Amy. Talk about the border. Border, border, border. I challenge Amy Klobuchar to a public debate. We'll see if she responds to that. Of course, with her incumbent, uh, uh, you know, deep blue stronghold on her Senate seat, she probably doesn't see it necessary to come down from on high and, and, and debate the young black politician who has already been deemed crazy by the Washington Post and other, other uh, uh, accredited and, and well-established publications. Uh, but, but we'll see. Um, other than that, uh, you, can, you can listen to the radio show on the John Fredericks Radio Network Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and you can continue to see us on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 p.m. Central. Um, Real America's Voice, the Royce White Show, premiering on February the 3rd. That's it for me. Uh, the fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.